ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Christopher Kimball, host of Milk Street Radio. If you'd like to change the way you cook and also think about food, please check out the Milk Street podcast. We travel around the world to find pizza in Tokyo, Egyptian food in Berlin, and Bhutanese farmers in Vermont. We speak to Jamie Oliver, Rachel Ray, Al Roker, Ina Garten, as well as Michael Twitty, Marcus Samuelson, and Alice Waters. And we'll introduce you to recipes that will change the way you cook, from bright pink Tottenham cake to Afghan dumplings to shoyu sugar steak, and that one is direct from Hawaii. It's a whole new world of food right here on Milk Street Radio. Please check us out on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts, or go to 177milkstreet.com. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com. So, Books of the Year, uh, back, you know, we've never been away. If you've missed all our bestsellers through August, <laughs> September, October, November, that'll be your podcast yeah. supplier and not our laziness. Uh, Ed Caesar's book is The Moth and the Mountain, a true story of love, war, and Everest. You can find all of that story uh, with Ed on our companion podcast on the other one, where you found this one. Meantime, we have our exhaustive uh, Q&A here with Ed. Are you ready to go, Ed? You got these questions, got all your answers? I've got them. I've got them. Take as long as you like to answer them. That's, uh, That's completely fine. Question number one, what was the last book that you really really enjoyed and as i've said before that second really is quite important because it's not just something that you quite liked okay this is a slight cheat because the book is not out yet but it will be out in um 22 uh, i got an advanced reading copy of a book called the premonitions bureau which is by a colleague of mine at the new yorker sam knight um but i would say this even if you were not my colleague um it's an astonishingly creepy haunting non-fiction book about an evening standard uh, reporter teaming up with a psychiatrist in the 1960s to set up a bureau where people who had premonitions about disasters happening could phone in and log their premonitions. And these uh, people, there were two or three of them who were right about several really, really um, big disasters um, and I, I don't want to spoil too much about it. It's ghostly. It's kind of, I can't think of what genre it's in. It's, uh, but it's nonfiction. It's all true. It's about um, the kind of weird belief systems that we buy into, even if we are seemingly rational people. And about a moment in British life that was quite extraordinary. Uh, there's a scene in Abba Fan, which I found as moving and gripping as anything I've read in nonfiction for an awfully long time. Um, and I think a lot of people um, are going to come to this book kind of by word of mouth because it's um, it's one of these ones where it's hard to know how to place it um, in, you know, the bookshop taxonomy. But uh, the Premonitions Bureau, I loved. Okay, and uh, give us the author's name again. Sam Knight. Sam Knight. Okay, what is it with you New Yorker types that you... You're difficult to categorize. You know, <laughs> where's this? Go, where's this going to go? Um, I don't know. I don't know. But then I think there's there's something quite nice about that. Yes. You know, we just don't. Let's yeah, not all. Absolutely. Let's not all. Let's not all. You know, be in a box. 
Absolutely. Don't put me in a box. Right. Um, so, so the next question, Ed, is the one that me and Simon have a running battle with our producer over. Uh, in <laughs> that, um, well, I'm just going to say that I'm just going to say the question. Uh, people who listen to this podcast will know what my problem is with this question. But anyway, the question is: the, what is the book that you would love to step inside of, even if it were for a day? I went back and forth on this answer, but I've chosen "Burning the Days" by James Salter. So. Uh, James Salter, incredible American novelist. And Burning the Days is his memoir. So what I'm really liking, what I'd really like to do is step inside James Salter's life for a day. Incredible life, flew fighter jets over Korea. Uh, you know, it's th this memoir is about uh, really like 20th century literary American life. And so you get from being in a dogfight with uh, a, a Russian fighter jet and then to an incredibly sort of attractive bohemian night out in Paris. Um, I just feel like he had an awful lot of fun and uh, it sounds like a pretty ideal kind of writer's life, you know, meeting wonderful people, uh, having adventures. So I would say it's just a great book. Burning the Days is an absolutely wonderful book. Um, so... I would like to step inside one of his paragraphs for a day. I don't think anyone writes paragraphs uh, as beautifully as James Salter does. So I would like to step both inside one of his paragraphs and, and one of his days in his life. Okay, so uh, next question to Ed Caesar. Um, how long do you give a book, Ed, or do you always finish it? Do you have a cutoff point, a couple of chapters, 50 pages, 100 pages, or what? I always give them at least half an hour. Um, right. I don't know. <laughs> wow. As a, as a, as a, as a journalist, you, you get sent a lot of books. I mean, you get, you know, you, I'm, I'm constantly being sent books and I, I constantly have to read books for, for research and for work. I, I've got no moral objection about stopping books that I'm not enjoying. Life is short. Books are long. Um, you know, just if you're not enjoying something after a while, I mean, half an hour is not enough. But if it, if it's, you know, if you're 50 pages in and you feel like there's nothing for you here, I don't think you should feel bad about throwing it hard to the other side of the room. Yeah. I think what's interesting there is, is Ed, I think you've been the first one who, who's, who's uh, measured that in time as opposed to number of pages. So half an hour I love. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> brutal with these things. I mean, frankly, half an hour, I think you're being very kind. I, I 10 minutes, and if you've not got me in 10 minutes, then it's all over. If we were yes. to come into your house, Ed, and, 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 and be looking around your, your book collection, what would we see? What, just describe it for us. Probably half and half, fiction and non-fiction. Um, you'd see a chaotic structure that I've tried to get into order sometimes by genre. Um, but as I get, you know, as more and more books come in, they get stuffed in the wrong place. Um, I'm in a constant fight with having too many books for the shelves. You know, we built loads of shelves when we, um, when we bought this house. We had like big wall of shelves built and various and in various other places around the house which are all overflowing my desk at the moment has i'm just trying to count them now there's probably 45 books around my desk um i don't it's a mess 
that's that's what you'd see. You'd see you'd see a mess, um, <laughs> and it needs someone. I need to Marie Kondo it or something. I don't know. I need to get, I need to get a grip. Um, but you know, it's it's yeah, and also all the my um, my nine year old is a big reader, so all of his stuffs, you know, kind of scattered around his room as well. So we've got a, an additional addict in the house. Now, what I what I like about that Ed is this. I've mentioned this word before, but the Victorians had had a word for. It sounds like some of your rooms. They had a, a room called a sluttery, which was ba- <laughs> which was basically a chaotic so chaos out of which great stuff happened. You know, it wasn't like just a mess and it was terrible and nothing ever happened, but it was chaotic for a reason. And out of the chaos emerged great art. So it sounds like you're this particular part of your house is a sluttery. The landing area where I'm talking to you from now, where I've got my father-in-law's old desk, I've got boxes of books, bits of notes, everything. That is my sluttery for sure. Okay, all right. Let's, so rebrand your landing um, as That's a sluttery. <laughs> uh, what, are, what are the books, Ed, that stand out from your childhood? Uh, I read a lot of kind of kids' adventure, so Famous Five and all of that stuff. Um, I was trying to think back, and I actually asked my mum about this, and she reminded me that I used to read these penguin history books. There used to be these little abbreviated histories, um, which I totally loved, which like Joan of Arc or Horatio Nelson or, um, you know, whoever, Florence Nightingale. And they would be, I don't know, 30 pages long. And I used to, I, I went through the whole series, I think. And I was really, I, I really loved that. Um, and I wonder whether... I sometimes look around um, for my kids and I think children's publishing is actually incredible. And the, the, you know, the way that books are published and there's all this great stuff. But I, want, I, I can't see that nonfiction itch being scratched quite as well um, as it was by kind of that series. Maybe I'm wrong, but I, 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 I love those books. I love that they were true. I love that you could learn about one life in quite a short period of time. Um, that all seemed incredibly exciting to me. I'm, I'm guessing, obviously, Ed, that you do uh, most of your writing from the landing or wherever it is that you're talking to us from now. But is there a is there a hidden gem of a place that you go to where you would do most of your research? And hopefully, you're not going to say no. I do everything on the internet. No, I don't. I could, so I mean, but none of them are hidden gems. You know, I go to places. You know, National Archives, British Library. Um, you know, the Alpine Club for this last book where Morris Wilson's pencil-written diary was. Um, but in fact, the place where I do my most exciting research is always the new place that I have to travel to. So I feel like, you know, I'm a shoe leather journalist and you have to go and wear out some shoe leather to go and find your stories. And landing somewhere new or getting a train to somewhere new and looking around, it's always a really um, liberating experience and gives you all this material and in fact when I'm stuck on a on a story or on a on anything really you know any piece of writing I tend to like put it to one side and I make one more trip like if I can just go one to one more place and meet one more person I find that the writing is revivified by that experience because Quite often, what you think of as writing problems, if you're doing nonfiction, are actually research problems. You're trying to write past stuff that you don't know. So if you can just find out one more thing, then it can really unlock the writing. So 
I would, it's not one place, but it's, uh, I sort of have this imperative to travel if I'm, if I'm writing. And kind of on that subject, can you recommend any uh, lesser known books on exploration or maybe just any other books on exploration? Maybe they're very famous, but the stuff that you read and think that's amazing. I, I read one book as research for um, the Mother Mountain that I had never heard of and that is out of print. And that's the Hugh Rutledge led the 1933 expedition to Everest. It was a reconnaissance mission to Everest. And he was not a very good team leader. And uh, Frank Smythe on that, um, no, Frank Smythe was on 1935, but he had this this team of great climbers. And the thing that Hugh Rutledge was, was a really good writer. He uh, describes the Rongbuk Glacier and the, you know, the peaks of Everest appearing and the surrounding mountains with an almost like psychedelic glee. Uh, and there's one passage in it where he's saying, I just wish we'd brought a great painter with us mm. because these colours are so extraordinary. And it's like he's having this trip on this trip. He is, he's genuinely, he's experiencing these iridescent colours. And uh, for him, it's this hu- it's this kind of audio visual overload um you know his descriptions of the ice cracking um you know the pinnacles of the ice cracking i don't know i loved it and it's it's out of print but i've i have recommended it to anyone who likes mountain literature they should look up hugh rutledge's book on the 1933 expedition and give us the title again of that i think it's just called i think it's just called everest 1933 and you've obviously discovered this amazing story uh, about Morris White. Do you have a favourite autobiography, a favourite biography, perhaps? Uh, yes, but I've got so many. I've, I'm just going to name a few here, and then I'll tell you. So I love The Year of Magical Thinking. Um, Joan Didion, it's about, it's about grief, but it, uh, it is so beautiful um, about losing people close to you. I re- um I sort of discovered through uh, researching my book J.B. Priestley, which sounds like an astonishing thing to discover, but like I'd never really read any of his stuff, and I read his memoir, which is called Margin Released, and it's such a vivid description of uh, he grew up in Bradford, quite close to where Morris Wilson grew up, and also fought in the First World War, and it's just a it's a beautifully done. Uh, memoir I think but my my favorites I think that I've read is experience Martin Amos's uh memoir it's just it's full of life it's very funny it's poignant uh I get much more joy out of that book than I've ever got out of one of Martin Amos's novels which may be sacrilege to say but like I really really love I really love that book and it feels like um Everything that makes him great as a writer is in that book. Uh, final question on this list, Ed. I mean, maybe that you've already answered it, but is there a book that always cheers you up? Particularly, you know, if you're, you talked about loving travel and uh, how Moth in the Mountain is about escape. So when you can't do any of those because of COVID, Omicron, etc., is there a book that you turn to that will always cheer you up? Yes, but it's not about travel. Okay, so my, absolutely, my uh, medicine is this book called Me Cheater by James Lever. It's a spoof chimp memoir. It's a, it's a uh, satire of Hollywood 
memoirs written by the chimp in the Tarzan films. <laughs> and it is one of the funniest things that I've ever read. Uh, it starts with him falling out, you know, constant reshoots on a scene where he has to fall out of a monkey puzzle tree, um, <laughs> which is, as a set piece, one of the funniest things that genuinely, like, tears rolling down my face. And I've, I often have said to my wife, like, if I'm ever in prison somewhere, you know, like I'm in a dark cell somewhere and you can only send me one book, send me Me Cheetah. It's not my favourite book, but it's a book that is guaranteed to cheer me up. Okay, so me, Cheetah, and the, and the author again? James Lever. Okay. Right. <clears throat> well, I'm tempted to buy that for Christmas, actually. I'm just thinking that might be... Yeah. It's very the, cheering. The book to retreat to the spare room to when all around you is going crazy. <laughs> and people going, where's he disappeared to? He's reading that Cheetah book that, uh, <laughs> that he bought for himself. <laughs> yes. So that's the way of it. Um, Ed, we appreciate your time. Thank you very much indeed. If you want to hear more of Ed talking about the moth and the mountain, there is another podcast which will address precisely all of that gubbins. Ed, thank you very much indeed. Appreciate your time. Thank you so much. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Christopher Kimball, host of Milk Street Radio. If you'd like to change the way you cook and also think about food, please check out the Milk Street podcast. We travel around the world to find pizza in Tokyo, Egyptian food in Berlin, and Bhutanese farmers in Vermont. We speak to Jamie Oliver, Rachel Ray, Al Roker, Ina Garten, as well as Michael Twitty, Marcus Samuelson, and Alice Waters. And we'll introduce you to recipes that will change the way you cook, from bright pink Tottenham cake to Afghan dumplings to show you sugar steak, and that one is direct from Hawaii. It's a whole new world of food right here on Milk Street Radio. Please check us out on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts, or go to 177milkstreet.com. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the ageing process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip <laughs> off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford, and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.